Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, there's a good glug on that. I feel like wine bottles are the best for that. It is good. It makes a good sound. Yours, please. Mm-hmm, Thank please. You. Everybody can listen to this because I know you're jealous. Look at it all bubbly. (laughs) 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 So, Allison. Julie. Knock, knock. Who's there? Me. Me who? No, it's just just me. We're back. Let me in. Um, (laughs) Are we not funny anymore? You know, Julie, I I had a nightmare about that very thing the other day. It was it was like um, those dreams that you have where you're in school and all of a sudden you're naked. Mm-hmm. Only I was doing stand up. <laughs> Were you naked doing stand up? No, I just wasn't funny. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not true. I never had that dream, but I have been worried about this. <laughs> I, I'm pretty. I have a pretty accurate guess of the last time that I was funny, and mm-hmm. I am pretty sure that it was November seven, two thousand sixteen. Yep. So. Um, so that'll be it. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Twitter. <laughs> can you imagine? And then we just cut it oh and God, release it exactly so like that. Pissed. I know. Why don't we do that? We just in- insert uh, yakety sacks. <laughs> for 10 seconds. Later. That's the show, you guys. We're done. So hi, I'm Allison. I'm Julie. That's Janine. Hi. And this is Podlander Drugcast and Outlander Podcast. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. All week. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. We couldn't get together last week and record um, on the day of the premiere. So today we are bringing you two episodes back to back. And if you've been listening for a while, you know <laughs> that usually means that the second one, we're especially toasty. Yes. Um, so no hangovers today. At least I don't think so. You're not hungover. Mm-mm. You're not hungover. No. No. See, we're great. We're fresh as daisies. And then uh, we had a really good time recording today. <laughs> That's what it's going to sound I do feel a little clairvoyant right now. I feel like tomorrow's going to be a little rough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we jump in, just because it's extra special, you heard the fuck the fun like champagne sound uh we are drinking for the first part of this episode which means the first like quarter i'm guessing of the evening uh mesh and bones very very special new cider which is actually not coming out in chicago for about a week it is called Hmm. Uh, it is a grapefruit cider and it is delicious. Pretty good. And uh, we got a very special sample bottle um, because of the name. Um, in it's like two percent alcohol, and I don't care. I thought about bringing vodka for us to put in it, but oh that just felt like because you know what no. that the, the pample moose he doesn't need anything extra. He's good just how he is. He's great how he is. And it's a low ABV, but that's okay because even when you get just a little pample moose. <laughs> It's better than none. It's better than none, <laughs> which makes this an appropriate choice for this episode. It's yes. also pink and sparkly. It is pink and sparkly. So we felt <laughs> like it was a very fun, festive choice and a way to get back in. And we'll be done with it in approximately five minutes. Yeah. Um, it is very tasty, though. Um, so how were you guys? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Everybody doing well? I've just been, you know, base level sad all the time, but yeah, I don't think that. that that's It's unusual. what they call the new normal. Yeah, I don't think that's unusual for anyone. Or, God, it's so good. Um, how about you, Janine? Uh, it's been, it's been good. Been good. Yeah. Had an interesting summer. 
Got a new job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tell the people about the job. Hey, so uh, I am the marketing director for a teleportation company. <laughs> you heard that right. Can you just repeat that one more time? Uh, I am the marketing director for a company that's trying to make teleportation real. Mm-hmm. You see how it was slightly different the second time? That's called the butterfly effect. <laughs> <laughs> what I can't wait. This is, this is how it's going to play out in my head. You're going to be in some kind of meeting, probably over Skype, because it's the future. And they say, we're having a really hard time getting this last piece put together. We can, we can move someone to a different space instantaneously or, you know, stuff, but someone for the purposes of this argument, but we need like a focal point. We need something that they can touch and then they'll disappear and you will involuntarily go, <laughs> how about dick rocks? <laughs> and all the heads will turn towards you in the room and then you'll see one girl in the back going, yes. <laughs> This and we've just you've just described how I'm going to find my next girlfriend. <laughs> not wife. Let's not put too much pressure yeah, yeah. on that. No, <laughs> no, no need for that. No, no, just girlfriend. We're good. Um, so, do we want to talk about this Outlander season three premiere? Of I mean, we could just keep shooting the shit. No, nah, man, it's cool. We're here for a reason, and our fans have waited long enough. You guys are great. Very patient. And you, your gift game is beyond compare. Yeah, there are so many good gifts out there. I'm looking mm-hmm. at you, dots underscore poetry underscore corner. <laughs> She's really good with that one she with the is. guys with the nice asses and the kilts. That's that's the best gift I've ever seen. It's a really, really it's good really one. really good. Um, we also had something else special happen today, which is that we met a, we met a fan, oh, yeah. Miss Kathleen Moniz. Longtime listeners will know Kathleen Moniz as the mother of our friend Jen, who started backing the podcast even though she didn't know what podcasts are and couldn't figure out how to listen to them. <laughs> She's now listened, and we've met her, and we had so much fun and ate cheese and gelato and watched an episode, and it was really great. It was nice, and my cat Sophie loved her. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. You watched with her? Yeah, today. Oh, that's, that's really special. It was really was fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Julie, what was this episode called? Outlander season three, episode one. Pardon me, I get my prop ready. The battle joined. (laughs) (laughs) You're soon going to get to hear our stuff from Wizard World, and we bought these fans, and I've been carrying mine around with me, and it's falling apart. Oh, gosh. But when you hear, Julie's here, you make the sound with mine, since mine isn't falling apart. If you break it, I'm just going to gut you like a fish that you eat in a cave. That's, there we go. (laughs) I really, I didn't know that those were dragons on yours. It's really good. Are they dragons? Oh, they yeah, are. Yeah, that's nice. This is fun. Oh, and, a, and like a... And a, like a, and a phionix, maybe. Phionix or... Phionix, uh, a dragon phionix chrysanthemums. Pheasant. That's probably a pheasant. Actually. It's a pheasant. Yeah. <laughs> Put a bird on it. Put a bird on it. Um... So, so here we are, season three, episode one, y'all. Before... I don't actually remember how we do this. Before we get into it, what did you think of the episode generally? I thought it was all right. I know that, you know, we have to get back into the swing of things and they kind of have to reintroduce us a little bit to the characters. And of course, this time we have the whole, we're spending way more time in the present, quote unquote, present day, which is a little bit different. Um, I thought that I was very impressed by Sam Hewen's performance because, you know, usually I'm a little bit hard on him. Mm -hmm. Um, And Rupert was... Awesome. Yeah. Grandma Rourke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought that, that Sam was very good. It, yeah. I think it's my favorite performance of his on the show so far with almost no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's all it takes. I mean, granted, 
the best things we've highlighted of him is when he just takes his shirt off, right? <laughs> well, uh, that's the thing is he's very stoic in this episode because he's literally dying oh. and he can't really move. So he's laid out on the ground in various places or in a wagon, just feeling pain and looking sad. Oh, pain my wagon. Oh my God. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, it's been so long. Fan <laughs> came out for that. I'm also just thinking about how like how nice that for a production that must have been with him. They're like, so you're laying down in bed. Yeah, you're laying down in some hay. You're laying <laughs> down in a shack. You're laying down in a wagon. And then you're laying down in a cave. Oh, I mean, also one giant epic fight. Oh, oh. yes, of course. We'll Let's get to not that. Forget oh, okay. that. That's okay. why he's laying down. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes in the snow. Oh, that um, one doesn't sound comfortable. Yeah, I thought, um, honestly, I thought most of the performances in this episode were great. Uh, it, we are going to institute a new thing this season, which is we're going to choose an episode MVP, and we're going to wait till the end of the episode to do that. Mm -hmm. But we'll have plenty of options. Um, because Tobias Moses... Always MVP in I, You know heart. what? We would have... You'll also hear this when we release the Westworld episode, which uh, by the time you were hearing Moose. this... That was that bottle was short lived but yeah, delicious. It's really good. Um, I hope that's the opposite of what's in, what's happening to our pamphlet. Right. Mm -hmm. um, not that it wouldn't be delicious, but I hope short lived isn't part of the deal. Anyway, um, I have no idea what I was talking I don't about. Know. You're talking about the battle, like you're. No, it was before the battle. Toby, oh, Toby Menzies. So yeah, yes. so Tobias. So um, when you you said his last name correctly, did I? You're Menace. fired. <laughs> um, so, I, but um, I messed up his first name. So for those, you, for those of you who are patrons on our Patreon page, um, by the time you're hearing this, we will have already released our Wizard World episode, a, a live taping that we did at Wizard World Chicago. Um, everybody else will hear it in a couple of weeks um so if you want to hear it you can head to patreon and back us for i think that's like the two dollar reward level or something nuts like that anyway um but one of the things we did is we decided to to pair um the best sex scenes from the show against the best tobias moments and tobias put up a surprisingly good he fight he really did hang in there and i think that bracket would have to be modified based on this episode i think there are good. a couple of moments that are good enough that they'd knock out perhaps not this i don't think they'd knock out that and i don't think they'd knock out the laugh when jamie came through the window in garrison commander and i don't think they'd uh knock off the corpse punching yeah wait we're we're too many spoilers for our wizard world episode yeah, okay too many spoilers yes mm -hmm. um but I'm excited to talk about the MVP when we do this new thing because mm -hmm. I think we have lots of options. I think it's good. I so, already know. I already know mine for one and two of season three. In my mind, I already. I'm ready. I'm ready. Never mind. I'm not. I, first of all, I can't sing something for more than thirty seconds, and it's way too. I'm, I, I. This is two point three percent alcohol. There's absolutely no way I'm at ready to sing. <laughs> not yet. Uh, um, no French accents for me this episode either. Sad. No. Um, never say never. Episode two. <laughs> oh, I guess I should never say never. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as per our usual custom, let's just jump right into this episode. Julie. Okay, so we see the new uh, intro, the new song. Yeah, I want to talk about this song for a minute. She's got an idea about the sounds that you hear or don't hear here so first of all lots of new footage in the um, theme yeah uh, uh, which is cool. There's a particularly, you'll see it, Janine, when we watch your episode. By the way, if you have suggestions, um, book readers in particular, for an, the episode this season that Janine should watch with us, let me know. But I suspect it's going to be the, the print, print shop. shop. Even though I don't read the book, I know that that's coming, and I, you guys need to calm down. 
Anyway, as you see when you watch that episode, Janine, there's a particularly gruesome shot of a bunch of uh, Jacobite soldiers just dropping in place when uh, like gunfire hits like a whole row of them. So that's in there. Um, There's a shot of people raising like farm tools as Mm. weapons. There's Um, a shot, the radio that used to be in the intro is now a television. Yeah, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. There's uh, the shot that used to be Claire undoing, or Jamie undoing Claire's bodice is now a pair of male hands undoing a different bodice. I think I know what that is, but I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't read the books. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a little piece of the shredded Fraser tartan that somebody hands to somebody. Mm -hmm. We do see the car a lot. Yes. The modern day car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Shackles. Oh, and I think maybe at some point we see a scalpel. Am I making that up? Yes. And you also see some poor bastard getting his head drilled into like medieval style. (laughs) Awesome. Not looking good. Um, So, anywho, um, the other thing I noticed is a lot like... The first half of season two, when half the song was in French, but there was also a lot more violin. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, a sort of more elegant, um, courtly. One might courtly, say courtly. Um, Excuse me. Paired. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could see how good she is with this fan. <laughs> we'll have to make like a little boomerang or something so that people can see. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So, and then it switched to something more Highland appropriate in the back half. And here we still have things that sound kind of Scottish, Highlandy, bagpipey, bagpipey, but the drums are, when they're present, are very underplayed. And I feel like maybe that's to signify the sort of half life that these two people are living. I'm getting so deep here. Um, <laughs> half life these people are living. Like the, the credits don't make my blood boil anymore. Instead, they just kind of make me sad. And I mm-hmm. think that's probably intentional because Bear McCurry is so good. He wouldn't do something like that without like a real intention behind it. And so you think when they reunite, the drums will come back? Yes. So do you think that we're going to be, it, is it the print shop? Well, I mean, I'm not telling you Of that. course that, but like we know when that episode's going to happen. So like if we're watching the music for that at the beginning of it or we're like we hear the drums i mean it could be the one after right okay um like they say let's go back to scotland and it isn't until the next episode that we get the um okay. the lack of the french mm-hmm. um so i wonder hmm. maybe interesting happen. because uh, then it wouldn't spoil it for you i have a question yes yeah. is the deer still there oh yeah oh, yes. okay just checking well <laughs> he's, there, he's there for a short while and you know what i don't miss him <laughs> I'm, I've quit thinking about him. That bitch was so ungrateful. I quit writing him letters. Just, <laughs> All right, so there's our scintillating analysis of the new theme. <laughs> it was very good, though, because when Allison made the point that there were no drums, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even notice that. Um, so we That's opened. why they pay me the incredibly small bucks. Yeah. We open uh, with the Scottish flag rippling in the wind in tatters. <laughs> So we know Battle of Culloden, it's not going to go 
well. <laughs> well, but we already knew that, remember, because right. spoilers, Claire lands in 1948 or whatever year it was um, in her dress in the ra- and then she stumbles out into the street and a, a passing highwayman That's stops. Right. A, it's a, like, Natty, do you need help, my dear? She goes, oh, the battle of Culloden, tell me. I rewatched that recently and it's, <laughs> I, I blew it up so big in my head that I thought I must be exaggerating it and then I saw it no really is that big. She is on her last tiny strip of sanity. That's it. She's going to oh, go, on the, the, the British, where you unhand me? And it's like, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. spoilers. Spoilers. Didn't go well. So, um, lights up, for lack of a better term. Uh, we see a field uh, full of dead bodies. Just literally dead bodies laying around. And a whole bunch of redcoats walking around, stabbing the ones that are still alive with bayonets to it's kill them. It's really it's gruesome. Yeah. And Very upsetting. We find Jamie barely alive in a pile of bodies, one body on top of him. He's laying on his back. His eyes are open. You can tell he's alive, but he's barely, barely alive. Dead inside, for sure. He turns his head slightly because he can tell that people are walking around bayoneted. Like, he doesn't, he's not moving a lot. Probably because he can't. But he turns his head to one side and sees a guy just get stabbed. Yeah, it's this really upsetting, prolonged moment of eye contact where this actor, I'm not even sure how we would look him up in the credit. Er, sorry, Janine. Yeah, see if there's like... Man, man in pile. Like, how else would you signify him? I don't know. Doomed blonde guy. Yeah, doomed, doomed anyway, guy who led the charge. And he now- doesn't have... It, he just lays there and makes eye contact with Jamie and is obviously terrified. Maybe he's trying to warn him. Maybe he's just trying to get last words or something. And then he just gets right bayoneted. Right in the gut. It's disgusting. And then you watch his eyes sort of glaze. He's, like, still communicating for a minute. And then his eyes glaze over and then his head just kind of falls. And Jamie is like... Oh, that's great. That looks like that's going to be amazing for I me. I can't wait to be Please dead. Please hurry up. I oh, would really no. like to be dead. Right. I was, was going to say Hamish, but it's not Hamish. No. 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 Um, God, so, maybe it is Hamish. Huh? Is it Hamish? We've seen Hamish before, haven't yeah, we? Well, Hamish is is um, is Gross Uncle's son. Oh, yeah. Greg uh, Esplin. Maybe. He's in it. We're gonna have to I mean, he's obviously in the episode, so. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's not Pig Farmer, right? Wait, no, because Hamish is Colm's son. That mm-hmm. wouldn't make sense. Yeah, who knows? It's Unless it's another Hamish. It's a mystery. So <laughs> Hamish, whoever, dies. Somebody, a guy. Jamie's sad, and then all of a sudden, this sends him back into his mind crepes to sort through the horrors of war that he has just witnessed over the past day. So it's a big flashback, the huge battle scene, Battle of Culloden. Um, it starts out... Going back to the beginning of the day with our, everybody's favorite, Bonnie Prince douchebag. BPD. Yeah. You know, I hate the BPD, but I was really legitimately glad to see Andrew. I was going to say Andrew Garfield. It's not Andrew <laughs> Garfield. Not um, Andrew Gower back again. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that we, that was the end of the BPD because historically he'd like was really far back. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, was not a part of the action. So mm-hmm. I just sort of assumed we wouldn't see him. And I was glad, too, because he is very good at his job Which of is being the worst. Making us hate him. You know, I actually think he really likes this role, too, because uh, 
BPD is the uh, image on his IMDb profile. Of course it is. It's his first photo, like versus yeah. a headshot, which most people have. So yeah, yeah. He's uh, also going to be in the next season of Black Mirror. Nice. God, I fucking love that show. Me too. So BPD is out there being a D with his stupid little war battle tea set. All of whom are talking right out of their asses. He's got some kind of war flask that he's going to make Cumberland drink out of upon his day of victory. Mark me. Sorry, you guys. He does say mark me right away. I'm empty. Mm. Here, get on that cold fusion. I'll get on this cold fusion. So, we see BPD, and then <laughs> all of a sudden, mortars start going off everywhere. Yeah, it's really, like, cheers to the special effects team, because it's, really, it's really well done. One's really close to them. BPD shits his pants. Jamie's like, we got to charge. And then there's another general that's like, no, no, this is just a distraction. This is what he wants us to do. And Jamie's like, no, bitch. We need to uh, get this. We need to go. We have to do this now. There's no stopping it. Before it's too late. We have to make a stand now before we can't, basically. Right. Because Jamie straight up knows they're going to lose. Not just because Claire is a wetch. A wetch. But because, (gasps) like, of course they're going to lose. Oh, my God. That was a thing of beauty, sir. Oh, it's on this side, though. (laughs) Oh, just a little, but like in a a beer commercial. I just, I just, I just product placement this. I don't know what I'm saying. That's really good. Hey, speaking of, we've now switched to Empirical Brewery's Cold Fusion Cream Ale. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a delight. Anyway, Empirical Brewery. Exploring the science of beer. Yeah, nailed it. (laughs) Okay, so... The, the battle starts. It's awful. It's just a whole bunch of men dying and killing each other and a lot of hand-to-hand combat that's very brutal and disgusting. And it's I'm sure it was the worst day ever in the Highlands. Would you say that the battle was joined? I would say it was joined. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he goes back and forth kind of throughout the day. And then it comes back to him laying in the pile of bodies at night. So he flashes back to where he is now. It starts to snow, it's which is brutal. Gorgeous shot. And I wondered I when I first saw it, I was like, is that are those ashes because they're burning things? It but could be. I think it's snow. I mean, I think it's that's the kind of ambiguity you want when mm-hmm. you're trying to capture the horrors of war, which I think this episode does really well. Right. But either it's snowing or ashes falling, but it is cold and gorgeous and horrible and uh, terrifying. And all of a sudden, this ethereal figure in white. Oh, no, there's more. Oh. Because he flashes back to leaving Claire at oh, the, right. the, the Dick Rocks without Claire. He flashes back to that. And then, um, then it's the scene where he says, we got to charge now. There's more fighting. Um, he, oh, this is the one, the fight that he gets into, the hand-to-hand combat with the red coat, where he smothers him with a sod, a piece of Scottish dirt. Oh, shit. He literally pulls a clod of dirt out of the ground and smothers a man with it. He is like a, some blue face paint and <laughs> uh, and a yell of freedom away from William Wallace. <laughs> Taste the Scottish soil, you yeah. dickbag. And then he turns around and there's a red coat about to stab him, but then a sword comes out of nowhere and he looks over ah, and it's Pample Moose. <laughs> and they have a moment with like, hey, what's up? He's like, so where have you been? Enjoying a weed drum, a whiskey? And he's like, and then By another. By the way, this is like Tuesday for Julie and I. Right. And then like <laughs> another red coat shows up out of Jamie's eyesight and Murtaugh just stabs him and he falls down and goes, you're welcome. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you for being here, Murtaugh. Isn't this when they have the exchange about the men from Lallybrock yes, too? Yes. Murtaugh says the men from Lallybrock got away. They're safe. So they didn't have to be here. So that's an interesting piece of information that will come back later. I can't remember. Does that in the finale? He says safe home. 
So in, I'm pretty sure in the season two, this is where I'm confusing book knowledge and show knowledge. Do you remember if in the season two finale, when Claire and Jamie basically run because of, of Gilf murder, Mm -hmm. um, and they have that little meeting with Fergus and with Murta and sign the paperwork deeding Lally Brock over, does Jamie tell Murta to tell all the Lally Brock men to leave? I can't remember in the book. That's what happens. He says, no one, you know what? I'm pretty sure it does. Cause I feel like I'm hearing it in Sam's voice in my head. No one is going to notice one company going the wrong way and all this chaos, get them out, go in the woods, leave, get them as far away as you can. Fergus, you, this is your big responsibility. I need you to do this. for oh, me. Right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah. entire client, that, that group, Lally yes. Brooks, they get out. And, um, that's one of the things that Claire was trying to find out. Mm-hmm. When she went looking um, for information from Roger, mm-hmm. was whether or not um, the Lallybrock men made if it. There's back. any record if they made it back. Right. So he finds that out, and then Murtaugh goes away to fight more. And you know what? We don't see him again, and we don't know what happened to him. And this hurts my feelings a great deal. But I'm sure we'll find out one way or the other. Sometime so soon. we are going to talk more about this particular moment. Cause it's a great little scene, but that's, and that, and, and it is little, that's a wrap on pample moose. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, if you're just joining us now, yeah. <laughs> if this is your first episode listening to the show, uh, we have nicknames for everyone. Everyone. I promise you will pick up on them, but maybe sometime in the next week I'll write a glossary and put it on a Twitter page or something. As well. It would be helpful. Yeah. Anyway, so um, that's a wrap on Pample Moose. We will be addressing this specific scene more in our spoiler section at the end of the episode. Okay. Um, then the British dude starts setting fire to the field, which is, you know, know, just layering on some extra poopy mayo onto a turd sandwich. (laughs) And then, um, this is when the Highlanders charge directly into the fire, the gunfire, and they just drop like sheets of men just dropping, hitting the ground. And then they join the battle. And then it's like kind of high noon most of the time, like the sun is out and it's blue sky. And then all of a sudden it all changes into like a chiaroscuro of like a Renaissance painting. And Jamie dispatches some red coat and then turns around in slow-mo. Guess who's there? Guess. You know. Come on. Uh, who would be there? Who would be there on the battlefield? Oh, uh, I think uh, maybe Tobai. Mm, that's right. The beach. <laughs> the beach. The beach. Beach turns around. They lock eyes. It's on. Oh. So it becomes this like Renaissance painting of death where they, it's just the two of them. I've actually been looking at these photos on IMDb. They are fucking intense. Right. <laughs> it's just the two of them trying to kill each other in like a golden glow, <laughs> which is exactly what it looks like. So they have a great fight sequence. They each get in a couple of good licks. Tobias Manesmanus as the beach actually cuts Jamie's thigh open in kind of a brutal way. And I think it's probably near an artery of some kind. It looks it's like it's probably, it's potentially a, a mortal injury mm-hmm. for sure. And then Jamie gets a good gut stab in. So yeah. we know, he, we know beach is dead. So there's, um, Yeah, there's something to this where I think part of the reason I think this scene is so effective is it feels like the beach is fighting 
mostly to defend himself, but also out of, I think, a sense of inevitability, he right? He's like, he's die. done a lot of fucking things to that man, but he has never actually tried to kill him and because he knows, he's more interested in pain than death. Right. right. And this is, he knows he's going to die today. And then when he turns around and sees Jamie there. Yeah, that's a good point because Claire told the, told him his death date, which would be today. And there's that moment actually when he locks eyes with him where you kind of, because Tobias is so good, you see a little bit of the flip, flip, flip across his eyes. Like, well, this is how I die. Across his jaw, right? Yeah, Yeah, he did. He did. In that moment, he's too surprised for real jacking. His jaw is slack (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. But jacking comes back. Don't worry. So where, so he is fighting probably despite knowing that he's going to die to survive. Like Mm -hmm. it's mostly defensive and he's definitely trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. Whereas the, and this is part of why Sam Huon is so good in this episode is it to me at least is very clear that Jamie is fighting to kill this specific person with absolutely no regard for his personal safety. Right. Like he already has resolved himself to resign himself to dying. Um, and he is kind of wishing for it. He's got a bit of a death wish Mm -hmm. And all that matters is that he takes this guy out. So he gets this mortal wound on his leg and then seems unable to move and then gets back up. And it's that for that reason, the beach kind of let his guard down. And that's what enables him to get these two like really ugly stabs. And and then they both fall. Uh, But first, Tobias Menzies has one of the greatest silent acting moments he's had in the entire show, which is as he's dying. He looks Jamie in the eye and Black Jack Randall disappears and Frank appears and he's like, I don't know, what would you say he's doing? He's kind of like reaching out for him like, I love you. I don't know what he's doing, but his face softens and it's beautiful and then he's dead. Yeah, it's I don't know that it's love but it's definitely about some sort of connection yeah it's and i've read some stuff online with people saying that this is gross because it's there is like a romantic implication Mm-mm. but i don't think that's true at all i think it's like a connection to a person can be bigger and uglier mm-hmm. and it just feels like the strings of destiny as opposed to romance right and i understand the complaint mm-hmm. especially once we get to like how jamie is situated as he's dying but mm-hmm. i would like to say that we should maybe reference cloud atlas <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like that, y'all. <laughs> so then we realize... Slightly racist? Uh-huh. Well, the movie, for sure. So you, you realize Jamie is lying dead on the ground. This body has been on top of him the whole time. Womp womp, it's Beach laying on top of him the whole time. Shit. If any of you have ever seen the movie Ravenous, it is very much like when Guy Pierce and Robert What's-His-Fucker in the bear trap together. But... I understand why people maybe said it was a romantic thing. I didn't think it was romantic at all. I just thought it was sad. So Jamie's just trying to die. And then all of a sudden he sees the ethereal figure of Claire. She shouldn't be here. (laughs) Also, isn't she cold? I mean, yeah, it's snowing. snowing. She's wearing a shaft. This, uh, this got, (laughs) this photo got so much play in like summer promotional. I think it was NEW. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wish it hadn't. It would have been like just a really lovely surprise. Mm -hmm. I wish that, that I wish I hadn't known that moment was coming. But she comes up to him and leans over. She's angelic and beautiful as Katrina Mamaf always is. And she says, are you alive? And then Jamie shakes his head and it's Rupert. (laughs) It's actually Rupert with his eye patch. 
And right. he was, Jamie, can you hear me, man? Are you a lady? Oh, and you're man. like, oh, Rupert, damn. And then Rupert tells him to be careful because the redcoats are still out killing people. And then Jamie's like, just let me be. I just want to die here. And Rupert's like, I'm not letting you die in the mud. And then there's a joke about not being able to hold your whiskey. And then he picks Jamie up. And as he picks Jamie up, Jamie's like, drink you under the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> And then somehow, by the grace of whatever Scottish god is up there, he gets Jamie to this hut of sorrow where all these wounded men are. Hut and, of sorrow. Hut of sorrow. Oh, shit. And it's just a whole bunch of Highlanders hiding out from the marauding redcoats. And About half of them are able-bodied. Some of them um, are not. There, mm-hmm. So there's a big change here from the books that I think is just brilliant. And it is that... Um, the character, and I'm not, I didn't look up the character's name. Um, it was a recurring character um, in the books that's the one sort of ringleading these survivors in this house they're hiding in. Uh, it is not Rupert. And by making it Rupert, I think they were really able to add to some of the, some depth to what was already going to be a very upsetting scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the kids, there are two kids in there. Yeah, I forgot to mention the rabbit. Do you think the rabbit means anything? The rabbit that hops across the field right before he sees Claire. You know what I'm talking about? Or is it just like, hey, life goes on. I think it's Nature just on. happens. Okay. I wrote, when I was taking notes for this episode, which I didn't end up bringing, I wrote, Death Rabbit is the new credits deer. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Maybe he's nicer. Anyway, so they're in the sorrow hut, and then all of a sudden, womp womp, red coach show up. First, they have a nice chat. First, Rupert and Pig Farmer have a nice chat. Oh, yeah, there. that's right. Pig Farmer's there. And, um... What is what does he talk about? He says that if he tells Rupert, if you can make it, run for it. And Rupert says, no, no. no. First of all, they'd find me. And second, I'm not going to leave these people. I'm not leaving Jamie and I'm not leaving these people. Also, I forgot to say, we forgot to say when Rupert picks Jamie up off the battlefield, he drops the dragonfly in amber and it glows from within. And I throw up a little bit. (laughs) I think that I think that was just the work of a good cinematographer. Whatever. A little too much. But he drops his wedding present. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Oh, and then, you know what? We actually flash, before we go to finish the Sorrow Hut, we flash to the present. Which we'll call the Sorrow Apartment. Yeah, the Sorrow Apartment. <laughs> so it's Claire and Frank, house hunting... Pardon me, house hunting in Cambridge, Mass. Because he's about to teach at the old Harvard. And they have this huge house that they're looking at. And Claire's like, do we need this much space just for the two of us? And Frank is all like, soon to be three of us. And it's like, oh, yeah. And her coat is on point. (laughs) Yep. This would be a good time to direct you all, if you haven't already seen it, to uh, a great favorite of mine as well as Julie's, TomandLorenzo.com. They, for the first time in quite a while, did an Outlander-style post, um, which they had sort of let up on. Because I'm really sorry to say, but there is a certain portion of Outlander fandom that tends to be real dicks. Um, and it's really weird. So, hey, if any of you are out there and you've decided that for whatever reason, Tom and Lorenzo are like bad people, they're really not. They're really good writers and they love the show. They're just critics. It's their job. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, so don't be dicks to writers who are giving a lot of attention to a show we love so much. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's, there's a great Outlander style post and it made Terry Dresbach cry. It did make her cry. <laughs> yeah. It's really it was, it, because they really broke it down and understood what she was trying to do and she loved it. Anyway, it's only analysis for the premiere and it is on point. 
So, Much like Claire's coats. Yes. Well, all the costumes all, always are brilliant, but this time in particular, we get treated to a lot of like super cool 1940s, mid-century modern Man. coat porn. It's really I'm cool. just looking at like one of these images and I think it's in the flat with her coat. I think I'm still getting the right thing. And I'm like, mm. man, I just want to look like that. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. really great. <sighs> I can't pull off hats. <laughs> so Frank is excited about their new life and he's got this big house and Claire, of course, is a little bit less excited about her new life. And they move in. But she's doing a champ job of faking it. She's She is champ and faking it. Before we move past this scene, I yeah. want to raise a glass to the best American accent in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, is, which is when Frank says, I'm done fixing to get me some vittles. Or like, rustle me up some rustle vittles. Rustle me up some vittles. And it is it actually comically sounds- overplayed, but good. decent, as opposed to a lot of the other American accents in this episode, not which good. are not good. Anyway, so once again, Tobias Menes Menes destroying the competition while saying vittles, even as a joke. Man, he's really raise good. that glass. Here Yay, it goes. cheers to vittles. So then we flash to the next morning, Claire trying to work the stove. It's not going well. She's very pregnant and very frustrated. And she stomps into her living room and sits in front of the fireplace and realizes, oh, I can cook over an open fire, which I've been doing for the last <laughs> several years. So she goes to get some wood and then runs into her neighbor, Millie Nelson, who really has a bad American accent. But a really cute coat and She's great adorable hair. and funny, but her accent worked on it. I don't know what I think about that character because is it – so may, maybe I was distracted by the accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it just me or did she seem kind of shifty? She was a little shifty. She was a little shady about Claire – Cooking over an open flame. <laughs> your husband must be real progressive. Yeah, it was kind of like that. It's like, oh, well, you're lucky. She actually, the scene ends with her saying, you're lucky to have a man like him. I don't know. Uh-oh. <sighs> I mean. Is that coming? He's a he's a fox. Is that coming? Is what coming? Is fucking Frank going to fuck Millie? Oh, I have no idea. Damn. That character's an invention. She's oh, not okay. the book. Cool. Uh, she and her husband, who we'll see in the next episode, are creations of the show. Mm-hmm. All right. So we meet her. And uh, she actually has mm. a sick burn yeah. about her husband that he would have a heart attack if he came home and saw her trying to cook over, over an open flame. And she goes, heart attack? There's an idea. I thought it was pretty funny. It's a good sick burn. Yeah. There's an idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the line, I actually wrote it down. You're lucky. You won't find another man like Frank again. Bitch, you wrong. Uh, then we flash back to Jamie in the sorrow hut. How is he not dead yet? Nobody knows. He's just lying there. Well, we know exactly because we have a list of things that Jamie is good at. And Staying dying alive. is not on that list. It's not on that it's list. It's not on that list. <laughs> it's not, not on, on that, that list. list. The, the things he is bad at, he is a weak semen. Mm-hmm. He is uh, really bad at looking not hot when he's got blood on him. Um, he can't carry a tune in a bucket. He can't. And he's really bad at dying. Yeah, he cannot and, die. And he's really bad at making sure that your experience of being finger banged takes longer than 30 seconds. Yes, that's true. Man, he's very bad at that. Jamie, get better. Yeah, get better. <laughs> but, he's, but hey, he's good with languages. So, um, oh, I, call, I wrote down hut of wounded. Why did I do that? And then I'm like, pig farmer, he's back. Rupert's going to stay with everybody. Then we flash back to Claire again, dressing gown. She's getting ready to go be pretty for the boss, which is something that Millie says. Got to look pretty for the boss. And then she puts on some mascara. And her dressing gown is on point. Yeah, it's really good. And then we flash to fucking the hallowed halls of Harvard. And 
uh, Frank's asshole boss. So, Janine, look on this IMDb list for me and look for a guy who looks like he would play somebody's jackass boss. Jim Sweeney? Yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, what, what is, what's, what's his role? Uh, professor something or doctor something. Uh, maybe not doctor cause that'll come back later. Hold on. Oh, D- uh, Dean Jackson, yes. maybe. Yes. Um, let me, his, let me take a peek. Uh, right Just, there. Yep. That's him. So he also recently played the president on an episode of doctor who and was a similarly vacuous jackass. Mm-hmm. So that guy, he found his market and he cornered it. Did yeah. He? He's not on here in the, doing that. He's uh, Doctor Who. Yeah, no, he is. He's not on here doing Doctor Who. I can see no Doctor Who on here. When is Are it you a sure? He was there. Uh, um, maybe maybe they just haven't like gotten there. Yet. Or maybe he's just a British no, but dude I saw, that looks like all sorts no, of British checks. Anyway, Patty. So he's his, just his, his name is Colin Stinton, by the way. All right, Colin Stinton. Good job at being a super douche. <laughs> so he basically says to Claire, he's he's talking on and on because he likes to hear himself talk, and he's talking about how Dewey is going to defeat Truman. What? Right. And he keeps saying shady shit about Harry Truman, like the haberdasher from Missouri and the shit like this. It's like, dude, fuck off. And then Claire drops some knowledge. She's like, I was reading in the Globe today that actually the president has a much better chance than most people say he does. Blah, 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 blah. And then he like zeroes in on her and he's like, well, Frank, your wife reads the Globe. Maybe you should be watching her reading habits. And it's like, oh, Lord. And then she says... He says women, something about women shouldn't do this. But next thing you know, he, she's going to be saying we should admit women into, this is another not great American accent, admit women into Harvard Law School. Yeah. And Claire goes, actually, well, she well actually said. She did well actually. Actually, yeah. women started in Harvard, med- Harvard medical, medical School this year. And he just go, basically goes like, yuck, 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 bitches, am I right? Yeah, he says something like, we had to throw a bone to the Eleanor Roosevelt something. something. And I'm yeah. like, ooh, I'm going to throw a bone in your face. Yeah. And Claire is just gritting her teeth and like holding on to Frank's hand. And it's very clear that this guy is the reason why she becomes a surgeon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's um, it's obvious that uh, what she wants to say is, fuck you. I, I could cut you open, fix your body parts, sew you back together, and I might just leave a boot in there yeah. or something, right? And instead, he says something about, don't you find domestic work so much more fulfilling? And to Frank's credit, the the writing of Frank in this episode is really great because mm-hmm. he, he does almost all the right things in a situation that was just always going to be fucked no matter what. Mm-hmm. But he says... Actually, did I mention that my wife was a combat nurse in during World the Second War World War? And the guy goes, hmm, well, don't you find domestic work so much more satisfying? And you can see Claire going like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yes, of course. She holds Frank's hand. So like, Frank, he's got her back. He's got her back. He's got her back, but he also can't be too shitty to his boss. However, he did stand up to him slightly. So that's yeah, good. Just a little. Like Frank. Yeah. Point Frank. All right. What did I say? Few women succeed as physicians. Nice burr butthole. That's what I said. Seethe. Seethe. I wrote in capital letters because that's Claire. (laughs) And um, I just can't stop myself. I'm like, the costumes are so beautiful. Um, And then we flash back to the Doom Hut. (laughs) And Jamie's muttering Murtaugh's name. Like, has anybody seen Murtaugh? Has anybody, does anybody know anything about him? (gasps) Murtaugh Fitzgibbons. Yeah, and Rupert's like, I haven't seen him since the last time we saw him. And then the pig farmers are like, I hope he's dead already because this shit's bad for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Might as better to be dead than 
to be tortured or whatever is going to happen. Um, and then here come the redcoats. No. Boo. Except. You think you'd see them coming, but you know what? In those, those coats. <laughs> so it's uh, the guy in charge of this particular little band of lobsterbacks is Lord Melton. And he has a very George Washington thing going on. He's got the powdered wig with the curls. He's very tall. Just um, looking at it makes you want to play the fife. Yeah. Uh, he does come in and straight up say, we have to kill you all. Are you all traitors? And they're all like, fuck yeah, we are. And he's like, all right, we're going to kill you all. And Rupert's like, you're going to hang us? And he's like, no, you'll be shot like soldiers. Fuck Which yeah. is cool. That's yeah. So we're like, Lord Melton, thank you for not being a dick. So then for the rest of the scene in the Doom Hut, you are treated to <laughs> punctuations of shots people being executed outside. He also, by the way, offers any of them a piece of paper and a pen from his clock if they'd like to write letters home. Like, this dude is a stand-up dude. Right. And that is pretty clear. So, um, oh, and then we flash back again to mid-century modern hell and the doom hut that Claire lives within now. I love Trapped. The- Inside her home. <laughs> this hut the concept is great. It's good. Doom hut, sorrow hut, they're hut of just, hurt. It's they're great. They're just trapped in so many Huts. doom rooms. Yeah. Um, she opens up the fridge, the tiny little mid-century icebox, pulls out a thing of milk, smells it. It's bad. Ew. Still pours some into the pitcher for the table and then goes and dumps it out. So I'm like, is she trying to poison Frank? What is she doing? Yeah, I was confused about this. I, I kept expecting when Frank came out to drink his coffee that he was going to pour milk in his coffee and then drink it and then go, yeah. because there's bad milk in it. But instead it was just she poured out the bad milk and then left the rest in the creamer it was really weird i don't know um so then frank comes down she makes some bacon and eggs oh wifey wifey but then they start having a conversation about america versus britain which is not about america versus britain it is about jamie versus frank because she wants to become an american citizen and he's like why would you do that I've never been particularly attached to England. Mm-hmm. Why and, would you want that? He says, basically, uh, since when, British bitch? What are you talking about? Listen to yourself. Your whole family was there. <laughs> you lived there. You fought for them. What are you talking about? But really what he's saying is like, girl, get it together. You are married to me now, and we made a deal. And then they have a huge fight. That is ended when Claire tries to throw a big, heavy, mid-century modern ashtray at Frank's head. And almost hits him. He ducks out of the way. Crash against the wall. He decides it's a good time to go to work. (laughs) So he very sadly, like, says something to her, like, you don't have to stay. I didn't force you to do this. You chose this. You don't have to stay if you don't want to. I just want you to do what you want to do. And then he goes to work. And then There's Claire cries. this beautiful shot. First of all, it should be said that both of the people are making fair points at this argument. Mm-hmm. Frank is in an impossible situation. He said, you have to leave the past behind you. We can't talk about the past. She obviously has taken this literally, like, literally no part of the past. They don't talk about the past at all. They don't talk about anything. Whereas he seemed to mean it, let's say... In a broader sense, like let what happened be what happened and be here in the present with me. Um, but she is definitely not in the present, as we will mm-hmm. see in the next episode. And then there's this gorgeous shot where he's leaving and she walks um, 
basically to the entrance to this hallway to their front mm-hmm. door and stands just out of sight like she wants to go and say something but she can't bring herself to and her profile is beautiful and she's distraught he stops at the door and wants to turn back but he can't turn back and he goes out the door it's just really beautifully composed and well acted and then i forgot to mention the time r.i.p ashtray r.i.p ashtray was very pretty um i forgot to mention the little bird outside the window that reminded claire that she's trapped in hell yeah. <laughs> Hellbird is the new death rabbit. Hellbird is the new death rabbit. Hellbird's awful cute, though. Um, then we go back to the doom hut. That bird helps her get dressed every morning. I just <laughs> figured <laughs> it out. <laughs> That's her new handmaiden. Cur- curls all the single ringlets. That's that not, she's what was the name on. of the handmaiden in Paris? J- Jeanette Frensette. J- J- Georgette. Georgette. Or is that the monkey? <laughs> Cla- no, the Claudette. The- Claudette? Is it Georgette? It's something at Paulette. Me, no, no. Collette. Mm-mm. Pin and Gillette. Oh, Conine. <laughs> Fantine. Eponine. Mm-mm. Cosette. It's Cosette. No, anyway, it's, it's either right it's now? either the monkey that bites people <laughs> or the <laughs> maid um, who boned Marta. Right. So then we go back to Doom Hunt, and this is where they've started shooting the people, obviously, and the next two to go are literally 15 years old. They ah. are boys. Rupert makes this very compelling argument that they're young. They obviously weren't here because their fathers were here or because their father sent them or whatever. They're not old enough to make decisions that result in them being labeled as traitors. Is there any exception that can be made for these two young people? Can they go to prison? Can they do something else? And Lord Melton, how, as you will one day find out, I am sure we will be seeing him again. Well, he was Um, pretty righteous. He's a, a... yeah, I'm sure he'll be back. Anyway, Sam Hoare is the actor's name. He did a really good job. Okay. Sorry about your name, Sam. <laughs> he's actually in Amer- uh, Captain America First Avenger. I was looking him up. He actually Ooh. looks like he's got quite a filmography. Nice. Filmography. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he says, I'm sorry, but I orders came down very specifically. Um, everyone must be executed regardless of age, any mm-hmm. participant in the rebellion. So then um, Rupert turns around and basically kind of tells the boys it's going to be over soon so just you got to do this just chill just be a man you're just going to have to walk out there and get shot and those two kids they have basically no dialogue Mm -hmm. and they are really good yeah and he's all like when you go out there chin up and they're like and then they go out there and they get shot but you only hear it you don't see it and then Rupert goes to talk to Jamie. Mm, Did we skip pig farmers conversation with Jamie I think we did because no no pig farmer here Damn pig farmers making me dusty. So this is right after the two, when the two boys get shot is when pig farmer is talking to Jamie. Basically, Jamie has a rotating series of conversations with people who are about to die. (laughs) Um, And the pig farmer. But he's not because he's not, he can't die. He's bad at He's it. really bad at dying. Mm-hmm. So um, he has a conversation with, I feel bad calling him Pig Farmer because he's really good in this episode. He is, but we find out his real name Go and I'm going to tell it. It is Gordon Killock. So he has this conversation with Gordon. It's brief but lovely, and um, Gordon offers to write a letter to Claire, and he says, She's gone. She's gone. <laughs> and then it's the sad hut. 
Mm-hmm. Then it's the heart, the hut of broken hearts. The, hut of the broken, broken hearts. hut. The broken hut. Do we do we want to give a pig farmer a heads up, uh, like a, a shout out for the actor's name? Yes, please. It's Killick. You said is his last name? K I L L O C K. Gordon Killick. It might be Killick. I C K. I C K. All right. Uh, that makes and sense. they didn't give him a first name on IMDb, by the way. But his the actor's name is John McLaren. Well, oh, John McLaren. John. Good job. You, you get, get a little. Fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then he he volunteers to go next. Mm. Walks out, head held high, and then just, just straight up gets shot. Straight up just gets Pop. shot in the body. Yeah. Um, while Rupert is talking to Jamie, once again, just a series of conversations with dudes about to get shot. Um, I wrote, Rupert is ready to die and is murdering this scene. <laughs> so Grandma Rourke... Um, talk about Grant, Grant O'Rourke, sorry. Mm-hmm. Talk about going out on a high note. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought that he was an underrated player in the Outlanderverse for both of his full seasons on the show. He did really great work when he was just the comic relief. He mm-hmm. did really great work in the sequence where they're breaking Jamie out of Wentworth. Uh, he was, all of his stuff with Angus last season was incredibly affecting. That scene when he was drinking after Angus died and he and the pig farmer were friends now and yeah. it was very sad. And can we talk about how many, how how many great one-eyed jokes he got? So many. Just more than one. That's for sure. More than eyes that he had. I just <laughs> looked at the end of a musket ball or whatever the fuck he said. Um, so many good jokes. And it's it, when somebody can make you laugh like that and make you cry like that and sometimes mm-hmm. do both at once. Good job, Grant O'Rourke. Toast. So- to you. To you, Rupert. So, so he maybe, maybe, he, he, we, maybe we need to um, Mrs. Fitz him. Maybe we need to find a way to Fitz mob. What's, what's the hashtag for him? Um, one-eyed Rupee? <laughs> one-eyed Rupert. Goodbye, one-eye. Goodbye, one-eye. Goodbye, one-eye. Hashtag goodbye, one-eye. Okay. We're going to do it. Um, anyway, uh, I think that that he's just really tremendous. And the conversation that he has with Jamie is, I'm not going to go die hating you for what you did to Dougal. I'm not going to forgive you, but I'm not going to die hating you. So we have a piece here. Well, and they obviously love each other, which is why it was such a betrayal in the first place. Because mm-hmm. first of all, he doesn't know that Claire is a time traveler and that he... There's a lot he doesn't really know. Shitty, like he's missing some information. Like, like he's missing an eye. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad they couldn't have put in the information. Where Wait, the eye may, maybe maybe he's now. he's he's lacking some depth perception. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's very shady. So Rupert basically stands up and is like, "I I'll be next." And then he's like, "I mean to be making this brief if you don't want to keep up." And just walks outside. I mean to be set in a quick pace. So keep up. You'll want to keep up. Then he goes outside, and it's a close up on Sam Hewen's face when you hear that gunshot, and it's very effective. And then he says something in Gaelic. He does there, but Sam's got another great line earlier where, um, and I think this is to Pig Farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to Killian, I, I'm just I'm Gordon never gonna Killick. say Killick to killer to killer Killick killer the killer Killick <laughs> yeah that guy or in the killer Killick anyway, um, where he says I'll see you soon and it's and he means it and he means it he really thinks he's he gonna is, die first of all he's a religious person and he thinks I'm like two seconds away from death he just cannot wait he really wants to, to die, die. Um, so he says something in Gaelic I'm sure we'll be able to find the translation at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it is very affecting. And then we switch back to the mid-century modern beauty of the Sorrow House, where Frank is asleep on the mid-century couch. <laughs> oh, and we I would be amiss if we didn't talk about this transition. We go from Jamie's face, where he's staring into blackness, and then there's then it cuts to a different perspective of blackness around Tobias Menzies' face, and it looks like he is seeing Black Jack Black Randall, Randall mm-hmm. but it's actually Frank sleeping on the couch. And it mm. is a fucking cool it as was hell a cool cut. That sounds nice. Oh, it's really I like good. That. So Frank's sleeping on the couch, jacking away. Yeah, jacking his serious heart out. Jacking happening here. And he can't sleep because the house makes all sorts of fucking noise, as we all know. Drip, drip, drip in the kitchen, and the fucking little compressor somewhere is going, Wee! and he can't and sleep. The, and the housemaid bird is outside going like, tweet, 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 tweet. tweet. Your wife's in a prison. And then uh, he decides to get up at four o'clock something in the morning and he goes to his desk and he pulls out a piece of his Frank Randall letterhead. That stationery is fucking gorgeous. It's real. And he starts writing a letter to Reverend Wakefield asking him to research James Fraser to find out what happened to Jamie. So this is either Frank trying to find this out to share with Claire, to help her to something, or is it Frank trying to find out and just know? Like, I couldn't really tell. It felt genuine. It's how they're going to handle it in the show. I don't know. I will. It's complicated as Mm -hmm. you would expect. Mm -hmm. Um, but Frank is not a person without compassion. I'll say that. All right. So he sits down to write this letter. Voiceover starts. Dear Reverend Wakefield, look up this redheaded chap, like whatever. And then could you please find this 18th century wife fucker? Yes. (laughs) And then speak said wife, Buzz in. Oh no, my water broke. Just like every waters, other show. By the way, my water's my broke. Waters my broken. waters have broken. And it's she's so calm like it's that. Plural. Mm-hmm. My waters. It, well, in the UK. Oh, yeah. interesting. I'm assuming every so, time I've ever seen a British woman on television or in a movie, they say my waters have broken. I did not know that. As opposed to my water broke. My water broke. That's probably what Hattie McGillicuddy or Nellie McBridleston. Mean mean Willie Nelson. Greg, my water broke. Greg. Oh no, I ruined the couch again. I oh, so Jesus. so um <laughs> Claire's about to birth Jamie's baby now. And she's very calm and he is very calm. Frank is very it's calm refreshingly too. underplayed. There's obviously urgency, but it just sort of walks up, goes to kind of touch her and doesn't Oh, by the way, that's another thing that precipitated their fight. Is he went to try to touch her and she fucking flinched. flinched. Oh! Second yeah. time it happens in this episode. It's rough. Anyway, so he can't touch her right now, so we know that. You are using this pregnancy to, to push keep, me away. To keep me at arm's length or yeah. something like Ugh. that. You're, and it's like, ew, gross. But so, also, fair. It's true. So they go to the hospital. Claire's going to pop off. She knows how this works. She actually helped a woman do this with no anesthesia. She knows how it goes. And then she runs smack dab into the patriarchy <laughs> and it's rough this doctor is a douchebag he's not their regular doctor he is dismissive of her even though she understands everything that's happening he talks over her to frank directly like how far apart are her contractions over her head and frank goes uh and she says three minutes <laughs> three minutes apart that uh, actor's name is gary summers all right gary Summers. Well, the gary. anesthesiologist is gary summers once again you're a, you're a real 
real dick and I salute you. <laughs> you're a real dick. And your dick gets worse because then they wheel her into delivery. Mm. And I don't know if you know about this. Don't skip, give her a kiss and we'll take her out. Oh, also, know the big moment. He says, have you had any children? And Frank mm. says no. And she says yes. Because of the miscarriage, which <gasps> Frank didn't know about. It's a real Janine. moment. Oh, and shit. He says, I, I lost the baby. It was about a year ago, whatever. And he says, give her a kiss and we'll wheel her on into delivery. And walks out and Claire immediately apologizes. I'm sorry I didn't tell you. You know. And Frank says, please don't worry about that now. He does not try to kiss her to her credit, but he does say, Claire, I love you. And while she does not respond, she looks genuinely touched and comforted mm-hmm. and gets rolled into delivery. And then they roll her up in there. Now, Janine, you're a man. I don't know if you know about this phenomenon. Have you ever heard of twilight birth? Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Okay. So this was a very popular practice. Oh yeah. No, I have images now in my head. Oh fuck. Yeah. In, in the United States. I don't know if it was worldwide or if it was just like a United U.S. thing. It was a, the documentary I watched and this is actually it's a United States thing. Cause like it was a thing where midwives are being pushed out of the hospitals yes. and it was all about this concept of science that was being pushed by that patriarch concept. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they basically, the anesthesiologist is like, we're going to put you under and Claire's like, no. And then the anesthesiologist says something to one of the other nurses and then somebody just without her consent Stabs her with a needle. And she says, what was that? And he says, something to relax you. Good night, Mrs. Randall. And then somebody comes in with a mask and she's like, you bastard. <laughs> and she passes out. It's a, it is it's a horrifying. It's a horrifying, but Kajrina Buffman is past like per- <laughs> perfect. It's so sincere and like deep, and she's just she she's supposed to be asleep, but she stays away for one more second just to go fuck you. <laughs> and then she has the baby. She wakes up in the hospital, but she's right. And where's my baby? Where's, where's my, my baby? baby? She starts freaking out because yeah. remember the miscarriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Frank walks in with the baby in his arms, which I think is some super bullshit. But once again, <laughs> patriarchy. So he comes in with this adorable little nugget. She's and it's perfect. their she's perfect, Claire. It's she's their perfect. daughter. And I don't think they say her name. Did they say Brianna in this episode? No. no. And then um Oh, I missed some stuff, but I'll come back. We'll come back. Um and Dr. Tony said she can't say I love you. You already said that. Um, oh, we flashback, but we'll come back to that. Why don't we just do the flashback? We're, we're going to finish yeah. Claire and Frank. All right. Um, Frank cut that baby first and that's some bullshit. I wrote that down. Oop, and then she kisses him. Yeah. Well, so mm. she looks in his face. This is in an episode filled with great moments, which doesn't mean this is going to either of these people is going to be the MVP, but in an episode filled with great moments, this is the best one. Mm-hmm. And she's staring at this baby and there's this mix of grief and longing and joy and wonder and gratitude on her face. And she looks up and Tobias fucking Mrs. Ms. Z's (laughs) (laughs) is just staring at her and his face is totally impassive and one fucking perfect Demi Moore style motherfucking tear, tear comes out rolls right down that cool fucking line that, that, on his that, jaw that My, vertical line he has now do you think that actually came from his eye or it was someone like 
Captain Sato. That he is the real deal. He came from his eye. Damn it, why is he so cool? He's just really good. (laughs) And Claire looks at him and you can see her register how much this man loves her and how willing he is to forgive her. And she says, oh, Frank, maybe we really can start over. A new beginning. Yes. And they're looking at this baby and she kisses him and they kiss and they're leaning against each other and it's beautiful. And then this nurse walks up and goes... Where'd she get the red hair? Womp womp. <gasps> End of episode. End oh, of episode. shit. <laughs> oh, it's so rough. Oh, it's, and you can see, and both of them, it's like they both flinch. And go, oh, shit. Like yeah. reality intrudes yeah, one more time. Yeah, we can't Where'd she on. get the red hair? Where'd she get the red hair? Oh, fuck you. Credits. Bitch. All right, so Flash, let's and go then back. And the credits deer bounce across the screen. <laughs> like the, Cut to black. Bitches! <laughs> <laughs> and then he lands on the rabbit. And then the bird flies away. <laughs> um, so we missed a couple of things in the Sorrow Hut. Yes, let's so go back to the Sorrow Hut. Now it's Jamie's turn to die in the Sorrow Hut. Ooh, wait. Mm-hmm. Beforehand. Before they start asking for volunteers. That's right. Because they're all lying down. Yes. There's a scene where his clock is talking to Lord Melton. And they're they're saying, okay, well, now we're going to deal with the wounded. um, See if they want any volunteers. And then we'll take them up and out. And uh, the clerk goes, will they be shot lying down? (laughs) And Melton goes, good God, man. He says, prop them up. Certainly. (laughs) I wrote that down. (laughs) <laughs> so they can get shot standing up. He basically says, no man will be shot lying down on my watch. It's it's like, we are the British motherfucking army, you son of a bitch. And Who do you think you're dealing side with? His side eye is so great. He's horrified. He just goes, prop them up. Certainly. It's very it's good. Great. It's great. So he says that. And then Jamie's like, I'll be next. Here's my name. And he says his name. All 97 names. James, James Alexander, Alexander Percival, Wolverick, Brian, Dumbledore, Mackenzie, Fraser. <laughs> and then Lord Melton does the slow turnaround and he goes, Fraser. Oh, God damn it. So if you are a, for, there's no way this is true, but if you are a casual watcher of the show, you are absolutely not listening to this podcast. No one out there is like, well, I could take Outlander or leave it, but. <laughs> I think I'm going to invest my time in two drunk broads <laughs> <laughs> and their Janine. Um, Who's also drunk. Don't forget. Yeah, don't forget. Oh, never. Um, anyway, but if you're a casual watcher, you, it probably stands that I should remind you of the episode where you meet Lord John, John William Gray. Gray, who is introduces himself, I think, as William Gray mm-hmm. in the episode. And it's the one where Jamie ends up pretending that he is like a wild ruffian um, intent on bespoiling the virtue of a British lady uh, (laughs) to get this guy to talk. So basically manipulates the fact that he is a good person to get information, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious and shitty and awesome and shitty all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kid, he ends up breaking his arm and then to be fair, this kid did try to murder him, but while he was taking a piss, pish, which he remembers yeah. as he's like, Oh yeah, you um, tried to kill me while I was taking And at a the pish. end of the scene, he says, you have saved my life. I owe you a debt of honor. And after that, I will kill you. <laughs> Um, and it is a, it is a great scene. After that, they go and steal a bunch of cotter pins and then don't fuck. Don't do it. God damn it. Anyway, so Lord Melton's like, oh, 
I'm sorry, I can't kill you. First of all, makes him strike the name out of the record. But you can see that the name was written down, and then there's a strike through the name. Mm-hmm. Makes the clock. That's important for the future historians. I, I would assume that that'll end up being important, yeah. Okay, so he goes over and he's like, Red Jamie. So that's what they're calling him these days. Red Jamie. Red that's Jamie. what my enemies call me. Yeah. Um, by the way, does the name Lord John Gray mean anything to you? And he's like, no, man, no. Just kill me, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, he was a young boy, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah. He tried to kill me. I was taking a piss. And he's like dying. <laughs> he made you a promise. Do you remember? He promised to kill me. But, but I, I do, do not, not care, care if you do it for him. <laughs> I don't care if you do it first. It's the funniest Sam Hewan has ever been <laughs> on this show. somebody fucking kill <laughs> And then Lord Melton's like, nope, not going to be me, bro. Not on my watch. If you're not gonna shoot me, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me there. And then Lord Melton's like, fuck no, get a wagon. <laughs> he left He left this debt of honor on my family. I will not tell if you don't. don't. <laughs> I will not tell if you don't. He's you can, he's you can hear it from the background. Like the camera's not even really on him. You just hear it in the background. I'm dead. It's basically, anytime they cut back to Boston, you can still hear Jamie going, Will somebody please fucking kill me? <laughs> <laughs> so Lord John Melton's not having it. Gets in my fucking wagon. Sends his broke ass back to Lally He's Brock. like, he's probably gonna die in the way, but then it's not on my head. Then I didn't Put do him it in the wagon. I didn't do it. Oh, also his clock says we could kill him under a pseudonym. And Lord Melton again is like, that's the biggest side eye ever. He turns around fuck? like this, like, who are you? What? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you? Oh, I think I'm going to have to test my food for poison. I'm going to fire you when you get home. What the fuck is wrong with you? Anyway, they put Jamie in a uh, wagon full of hay. Not his first hayride. (laughs) But less less of a roll. Right. Get him back. Get him back. (laughs) And that guy with that leg wound then goes... Trotting across the sky, How long? Like going like this, <laughs> probably for like two days. Every time they pass a farm, he goes, "Kill me, somebody, please kill me." Somehow, to the face. Somehow, this turned into a Monty Python sketch. It's exactly it's just like, like <laughs> can I can I get someone to please punch me in the face? <laughs> so he rolls up. At Lollybrock, he doesn't know it yet. And then Ginny and Ian appear over the side of the wagon. And he's like, am I dead? <laughs> he actually says, am I dead? <laughs> and Ginny's like, no, you asshole. You're home. <laughs> and he does not go, fuck. <laughs> and it's a wide shot of Lollybrock. Oh, and then beautiful. you see his arm come up and hug her. And that's the end of the episode. Oh, that's cute. So he makes it home. She Alive, makes a weirdly. baby. It's the battle. Mm-hmm. Joined. Um, so, what the fuck are our categories? We have the doing it costume scale, costumes doing, doing it. it scale, and overall. Oh no! How often you can get, get, to get, to get a beer? A beer. Okay. Oh. So let's start with costumes on a scale. I'm not even gonna remember which movies we've used on a scale of let's say. Uh, dangerous liaisons. That's high. To cruel intentions. Oh. Where does this fall on the costume scale? I'm going to give this a solid Mrs. Miniver. Ooh, nice. Here's why. Big boxy shoulders, 
kind of masculine lines in the 40s that she gets to wear, which are really cool. Plus, she gets to wear a lot of maternity gear. Obviously, the costumes in the Highlanders section is not as awesome because it's just red coats and dirty Yeah, but dudes. the effects are great. The effects are good. The blood effects are really good. One set, they used a thousand extras for this episode. I will say, too, looking at those photos, like, mm-hmm. it's, that's, that's still a lot of costume work mm-hmm. to, to one, not just like clothe all those extras, but to make it look like they realistically are fighting and dirty because and like that is a, that's a problem that you see with a lot of those big things is where the main characters are, they look like they're fucking in it. And you look behind them like, Hey, that's a really white shirt. Yeah, white shirt's all right. <laughs> so yes. So yeah. I, I think it was very well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Effort was put in. Yes. Terry Dresbach, genius. All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to give it, I let, I'll see your Mrs. Miniver mm-hmm. and I will raise you a feud, the FX series starting <laughs> Susan Sarandon and Jessica, Jessica Lang. That's good. Um, because I feel like they were really evocative of what was going on in her interior life. They were mm-hmm. beautiful. They were all with a point. Uh, Jessica Lang as Joan Crawford wears a lot of sleepwear. Yes. So there's that connection. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and then it was just really detailed, like, mm-hmm. and also some great hats. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to do mine. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> I want the language of the fan. I just got very excited. So I have to put it on my chin like this. <laughs> I, I want, I want to give it fifth element Ooh. because fifth element has got some really awesome costumes. It's known for that in a way, but mm-hmm. it's also pretty, it's the future from the nineties perspective. Yes. And that's a little bit how I feel about this, where it is very detailed. And from what I could see, very detailed, very specific to its era and lots of effort put in, but also like, you know, not like grade A, but so it's good. Beautiful, so beautiful. Oh God, I don't know. I thought it was so good. I, and that, but I'm only seeing pictures from IMDb, so you have oh, to right, ta- right, right. you have to take no, me with, you have to take yeah. me with a grain of salt. There's also this. <laughs> a lot of the costumes work together with the cinematography and the colors and the See, shots. Yeah, and, and I beautiful, and I won't have that. It's a time. little bit Mad Minish. Hmm. because they, it mm-hmm. tells it, it's more of a story. Like the, the set dressing and the char- the oh. costumes are telling more of a story. One now. of the things that Tom Lorenzo said in this write-up was that uh, it's some of the best mid-century costuming they've ever seen, this coming from two men who wrote literally thousands of words about Mad Men, mm-hmm. which is true. And, and Mad Men is made, one of the best costume t- shows in history. Yeah, I've heard that before. And that's what made Terry <laughs> Dressback cry. Yeah. We love you, Terry. Yeah. We All right, Terry. So doing it scale. Nothing. Okay, so we're, we're going to do this on a scale of... Um, Rookie of the year <laughs> no. to the Sandlot. I was gonna do. I was gonna do <laughs> funky butt loving. <laughs> I mean, that's in there. Uh, no, how about then? Uh, I give it angels in the outfield. No, <laughs> rookie. We'll do rookie of the year to the natural. Ooh. No, rookie of the year to Bull Durham. Oh, Bull Durham is far too sexy for this. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's a ten. Oh, so we're just so where's on field the of dreams? It's field of dreams. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. If you bone it, it will come. <laughs> I don't know. But it just ends up being a bunch of people in a cornfield. Yeah, that's it. Just like ghosts. There's a lot of ghosts. There are a lot of ghosts. In brains, oh, and she and wanted to. Yeah. Actually, there's, I mean, this is understandably low on the doing it scale. Because mm-hmm. um, there's no Sorrow doubt. Hut. Mid-century modern Sorrow Hut. It's, it, they're both in their own caves. <laughs> they popped a tiny Sorrow Hut. <laughs> okay, so doing it was not great. Okay. How often could you get up for a beer? So let's do this one from our favorite baseline. <laughs> Ken Burns baseball <laughs> to can we maybe change it up to Ken Burns civil civil war? Well, we could do do real topical, timely, and do Ken Burns Vietnam War. Although well, apparently it's I'm, excellent. I'm wow. gonna say I don't 
I don't know if you can get up during that one because I think it's yeah. going to be so brutal. It's supposed to be really amazing. So we're going to stick with Ken Burns baseball. Okay. I like it. And we'll do it. baseball is also kind of boring. On a scale yeah. to, uh, let's... Hear that, Kevin? <laughs> Burn. Wait, hold on. You know what that deserves. Yeah. Okay, so Ken Burns baseball to what is something I couldn't get up during recently. Um, uh, the season two finale of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Ooh. I'm going to give this something a little more like... I could get up to get a beer. So it's not quite Ken Burns baseball level of slow, but there's a lot of like setting up of things. Mm, oh, I know. I'm going to give it the third season of wet, hot American summer. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Janine. I'm going to give it a cloud Atlas. <laughs> Book or movie? Oh, movie. Like, uh, lots of parts that I'm really intrigued by, but also I can walk away from things that make me uncomfortable. <laughs> See, I think maybe I, I liked this one more than you did, Julie, and oh, definitely more it. than you did, Aaron, who who's you, who's did not see seen it. it. Um, I know you liked it, but I think perhaps I liked it a little bit more, probably because I was floating away on a river of Tobias Menzies' single tear. Oh, just down that, that divot. Just sound, yeah, I and then wa- I just got a raft, and I climbed aboard it. And I I've actually want to see that scene now. It's good. 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 And then that nurse, where'd she get the red hair? Fuck. From the dude that I boned in the 18th century, what, you have a problem? <laughs> um, I am going to say, I'm going to give it a solid mid-season American gods. Okay. I get that because then when we got to Dead Wife, I got a little bit bored. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Dead Wife. So pretty much not that actually. Yeah. I'm thinking more like when there was some filler in the middle when it was just Tuesday or I'm sorry, Mr. Wednesday and, um, and, uh, Ricky Whittle shadow having a bunch of meetings. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to give it, ooh, I'm going to give it meetings and a dropped fan. Okay. All right. Now new segment MVP. Yeah. Here we go. MVP of an episode this week. My vote goes to Rupert Grant O'Rourke. Mine, you know, I was hoping that we were going to enter a world where we each pick somebody different every week, but I'm also picking Grant O'Rourke as the MVP of this episode. It's not just because it's his last episode. I think the single most effective moment in an episode full of them is not Tobias Munzman's single tier. That's number two. It is actually, I mean to be set in a quick pace, so keep up. Yep. Um, which is just, it ripped my guts right out of my body. Mm-hmm. And then I died and then I was reborn. And miraculously that I was in a different century was really weird. This is exactly how I feel. Yeah. Well, I'll give, I'll give someone a, a, as someone who's never, who obviously hasn't seen it. <laughs> uh, I'll give someone a honorable mention then. Okay. Uh, uh, Killick. Our pig oh, farmer, yeah. because pig farmer. he's been consistent when he's there. He's a consistent. We do talk about him. We yeah. turn an awful lot for just a guy who only has like two scenes. Yeah. All right. Well, that's not true because he has a, one of the most emotional scenes in season two. That's right. Which is when he. His Angus dies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's intense. And Why weren't we calling him Tupert? Tupert. We, well, we should have. Missed opportunity. Too late. Because <laughs> he's dead now. He's fucking so dead. So R.I.P. Pig Farmer, R.I.P. Rupert, um, Tupert and Rupert together in the afterlife that mm-hmm. doesn't exist. I, um, <laughs> but for, but the, but the prize for being our MVP is now we're going to Twitter push him. Yeah. And I think maybe we should do that every week anyway, but we won't do like a hard sell like like we fits mobbed. Mm-hmm. So for those new to this, just once you hear this episode, take a moment, tag us if you want, but find Grant O'Rourke on Twitter, say, hey, you were incredible in the season three premiere of Outlander. 
You're the best. Hashtag goodbye one eye. Goodbye one eye. <laughs> Don't forget goodbye one eye. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he starts getting a barrage of tweets that say hashtag goodbye one eye, uh, hopefully it will make him laugh. Like mm-hmm. it made Nut Bandlin laugh when mm-hmm. we fits mobbed her. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We did fits mobbed her. Um, well, hey, this would be the time when we stop to thank our Patreon patrons. There are loads of you, but we need to thank these people specifically. Miss Amanda Newton, who is just a delight in person. Hi, Amanda. Hope you and your husband are doing really well. Beth Locke, Flourish Root, who I I think Flourish Root's name is Jen. It was Jen at FlourishRoot.com. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to stick with Flourish Root. I like that too. Molly Layton, Dr. J, (laughs) Lara Magnuson, Friday Payton, Jen Lander Drunklin, and the great. The one, the only. Kathleen Moniz. Um, thank you so much for the supporting the show. Also, thank you to all of our other patrons. You can find us on Twitter at PodlanderCast, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash PodlanderCast, yep. at Patreon.com slash PodlanderDrunkCast if you want to support the show. We're getting ready to get our t-shirts made. Uh, we've got a backlog of t-shirts that we owe those of you in the t-shirt category, so you'll be we'll be in touch to figure out sizes and what you want printed and whatnot. Um, there are some other great bonuses, early episodes, bonus episodes, um, the like, uh, being a guest on the show, stuff like that. Um, you can also, I don't know, <laughs> Fitz mob people. You can send smoke signals. If you're in Chicago, you can go to Empirical Brewery and mention us because that would be cool. Um, and you can find Julie at Julie Starby. Yep. You can find me at Allison Shoe. You can find Janine at Pagel underscore Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, or through the ast- the teleportation company. for. I almost said asteroid mining. That's a different job. Well, listen, though. Teleportation will actually be used for asteroid mining because it will help down mass materials. Oh, see. Hold on. You know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. You are, if you're getting this right when we uploaded it, can move right on to episode two of season Season three, which is super cool. Uh, in between, we're going to go to 17 shots, take up all of our clothes, run up and down the street and come right back. That's not sure. None of that's going to happen. Um, I'm just going to pee. I'm just going to say, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the future. Uh, you don't know my life. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.